Hello and welcome to On Mission, a podcast from the Catholic Apostolate Center. My name is Chris Pierno, and I'm joined tonight by Father Frank Donio, and we'll be discussing the season of Christmas with our guest, Brian Rood, Project Coordinator for the Catholic Apostolate Center. Thank you for joining us tonight, Brian. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's good to be here. So, um, Father Brian, you know, uh, we are in the season of Christmas now. I, one one might say that uh, Christmas Christmas is done. The the uh, the cookies have been eaten, and the perhaps the tree some is of by you, the street. What? Yeah, well, oh. well, perhaps some of you, yeah, maybe oh. some, some of our listeners have have already, you know, started to take some some items down. How sad. Um, but 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 really, you know, Christmas is not over. We are actually within Christmas. Is that right? We, it's a whole season, a liturgical season. Yeah, very exciting season. It's kind of the middle ground between, you know, the people that take down the tree and all the decorations right after Christmas Day is done and the people that leave it up until Ash Wednesday. Um, so, you know, we're, we're kind of we're kind of doing the Catholic thing. We're hitting the middle ground. Uh, with the Christmas season. So, yeah, can we talk a little bit about, you know, I there's another podcast episode where we talk a little bit more about, I think it was actually an episode about liturgical vestments, but we ended up, you know, focusing on uh, talking a lot about the liturgical seasons and the vestments associated with that and the colors and, and all that. But, you know, Christmas is a season, it's not just a day. It is a liturgical season within the calendars, just like Lent or Advent or, or Easter. Um, of course, those are much, they're much longer and they take up more of the liturgical calendar. But Christmas is what? Is it, is it sun? Is it Christmas? Whatever Christmas is to the Sunday or what, what, what does it entail? In the Christmas season, so of course, starts with the actual solemnity of the Nativity of the Lord. Right. And then it runs pretty much to mid-January, sometimes a little earlier. It depends on where the, how the liturgical calendar flows. But the final feast day, which is also the beginning of ordinary time, so kind of you kind of end up into that ordinary time for a brief period, and then then it's Lent. Yes, the very and tiny piece of ordinary. That tiny time. tiny piece. You're back into green and. But there's that feast of the baptism of the Lord that concludes. Now, a number of people will traditionally they'll they may see Christmas concluding with Epiphany and the traditional day of Epiphany, January sixth. Although at times it's been you know now transferred to the Sunday wow. uh, and before the baptism of the Lord, and then. Or in some, you know, in some traditions, you know, in, in prior to the Second Vatican Council, but also in Rome itself, interestingly enough, the, the churches will remain decorated all the way up to February 2nd, which is the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. So it's kind of on the cusp, you know, just it, that'll end and then it, and they'll take everything away and, and then you're almost at Lent. At that point, but the current liturgical season is from Nativity, Lord Christmas, what we call Christmas, up until Baptism of the Lord. 
And of course, for those of our listeners, uh, yeah, uh, you some people might say, "Oh, well, I was. A, it's a very quick. He's born. He's immediately baptized." But as we know, you know, these are just you know, these are the days we celebrate the events. Not a not meant to be seen as a linear calendar of events. But, uh, no, no, it's really that that being you know that that's where he is public. So so you really go from three different. I guess the best way to put it would be manifestations, which is what epiphany means. Mm-hmm. But, you know, first it's he's born, he comes into the world, he's incarnate. Then you have the celebration of epiphany, the solemnity of the epiphany, where it's, you know, you have the story of the Magi and you have, so the first who came to adore were the shepherds and the angels. Now the, now it's the Magi. Now it's the the world in effect coming to the Lord. He's made manifest the star. And then the, it concludes with him becoming, uh, you know, sh- beginning his public ministry. 30 years he's with his family. The Lord then goes, you know, Jesus then goes and is baptized by John and the heavens open and this is my beloved son and, you know, and with whom I'm well pleased. And so you have this, this uh, public ministry that begins for three years from, you know, 30 to 33 years old. And so it's really a series of, of of manifestations of of the Lord, but there's that hidden life, what what can be called the hidden life, which we only get the one story in Scripture of him twelve years old, and otherwise we really don't know what what his life was like, and and so it gives us in the Christmas season this kind of sweep of birth to public ministry, which is in in many ways I think. Is has a of course as the church always does has a logic unto itself because we're you know here's this here's salvation here we're manifested it's for the whole world not just for you know the uh, the Jewish people and then the mission which we share in we share in that mission of Christ as priest prophet and king so it's a it, it, there's many beautiful images, you know, throughout the the Christmas season that um, I think sometimes get a bit lost because it's so compressed. You know, the poinsettias aren't even dead in the church; right. they kind of they'll, they'll last all the way up to to to, uh, to Lent. They, you know, they're and it's it's kind of a wow. All right, it's it's happened and it's done, and and we we move on. But there's there's such a richness to the whole season. You know, I, I know we'll we'll talk a bit more about how um, how we can we can celebrate the Christmas season, um, but I think um, that kind of to the point you, you make, Father, right that that we go from nativity to uh, to to baptism. We span thirty years in just a few days. It's a great time to do uh, to use our our Christian imagination and to um, to reflect upon the young life of Jesus. Um, you know, Pope Francis does that in Christus Vivit. He talks about um, the realities of Jesus's life when he was a young man. Um, Pope St. John Paul II um, tells us that uh, 
Christ has the fullness of his humanity and divinity from from the beginning of, of his life, from his conception, uh, yet how he was able to express that humanity would have developed uh, in the same way or in, in accordance with his age. Um, and so I think there's a lot to reflect on in that time. You know, obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at, at some of these great feast days that we celebrate within the octave of Christmas within the first 12 days. Um, but it's also a time to then spend time reflecting on the life of Jesus as we take this kind of liturgical journey from his birth to his baptism. So, Brian, you mentioned um, the, uh, the some of the feast days. You know, there are several several important feasts that kind of occur right after Christmas. Um what are what are the what what are those? Let's 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 kind of unpack that a little bit. Um, there are some. There's the obvious one I think that mo- a lot of people probably know. Uh, uh, you know, the the uh, Epiphany on the sixth, right? And uh, January first being a holy day of obligation uh, for uh, the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. Um, but there are some other ones sprinkled in there as well. If Christmas is on a Sunday, Holy Family is usually right by Christmas, but otherwise the Sunday between is usually the Feast of the Holy Family, so Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And and really, doesn't that make a lot of sense? Yeah, that it's that it is. Uh, in and so it gives an uh, an opportunity for us to reflect on the Holy Family. We also have an opportunity certainly with January 1st, to reflect on Mary, Mother of God, but to maybe just kind of look at this with the Holy Family and the, what was that like? You know, so again, we're back to that young, young Jesus, you know, who's, who's there living together with, with Jesus, uh, with the Mary and Joseph. There they are together and uh, in Nazareth. And for a time in Egypt, remember they, they, they were, refugees they they left they had to leave because of Herod and then they eventually come back we don't know when they came back but it's probably before it's definitely before he's 12 because there's this whole scene of him going to the town so somewhere in between they came back and and they're they're there in Nazareth and he learns the carpenter's trade and he's living together with his with his family and it's it's quite a in many in many ways a very beautiful image, but also a, quite a, a a strong one of the roles of each of them in that family. Yeah, it's interesting that you know I think people sometimes can, especially when the as we were talking about when things get compressed and things are not as. Uh, you know, as clear in terms of when things fall, but it isn't kind of interesting and, and a good way for us to reflect on, you know, we're all, we're spending a lot of time with our families around Christmas and, you know, um, our, 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 whether it's our, our families or our, our friends, family, you know, the, the friends miss or whatever it is, right. It's a time <laughs> of reflection on on being together. And I, and I think that that's a beautiful way that, again, that the church somewhat unintentionally reminds us, you know, that while we celebrate, you know, the birth of our Lord, it's then we also have time to reflect on his time, you know, as part of this family unit um, and the importance of that. Um, 
and, and, and all of this kind of happening at a time that can be very, um, of course, a focus on family, but also very stressful. And I think it's it's a nice time to reflect on that and remember the importance of it, the importance of family and and especially, you know, dating the podcast, you know, with everything that we've been through as a people, um, you know, during the pandemic, especially now. I think there's, I mean, there's, there's so many um, really interesting feasts that come right after Christmas. I think what's really interesting, right, is that on the 26th, the church commemorates St. Stephen, um, the, the proto-martyr. And it's a pretty stark contrast to go from one day celebrating life, and not just any life, right, but the birth and the life of the Savior of the world, and the next day to commemorate the first person to die for for Christ, to die for their faith. Um, it, it, just a few days later, we, we celebrate St. Thomas Beckett, who was another martyr, um, you know, I think I think two of the other things there that three feasts, three days in a row. You have the the feast of the the holy name of Jesus um on January third, which for me um, you know, brings to mind um being in Rome and and being in the um the beautiful churches uh, of the Jesuits, the, the Jesu and, and the um San Ignacio and and seeing the the symbol, the IHE um all around you. Um, and then, and then, two the the feasts of of Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton and Saint John Neumann, which come back to back. Um, these two great American saints, um, certainly a point of pride uh, for those in the United States as well. Um, but there's a lot there's a lot of depth here. Um, you know, you have the the stark contrast of the life and death with with the birth of Jesus and the martyrs. You have um, popes and bishops. You have a celebration of the name of Jesus and uh, and of course, Mary, Mother of God, there in the middle on the first. And there's just so much for us to enter into and reflect upon. And as we kind of started, right, all in all in the the vein, the celebration, the idea of Christmas, right, that we celebrate these all still remaining in in Christmas. And there, there's a a couple of others I want to point up in that period between. Christmas and the octave of Easter, January 1st, and we'll get into that this has had a variety of names. Currently, Mary, Mother of God, and actually that's a more ancient one. Uh, but the, you know, St. John the Apostle, the one who says, though, you know, he he's his gospel is the one about the so the prologue, you know, that talks about the incarnation. That's the reading that you get on Christmas Day. You don't get, interestingly enough, on Christmas Day. You don't get a reading that's talking about uh, that's from Luke, for example, or from Matthew. You know, you're you're not getting an infancy narrative. You're getting this this prologue of Saint John. You know, the youngest of the apostles. So we're back to the, the youngest here. Here we go, the youngest of the apostles, and the only one who wasn't martyred. And he's he's talking about. Uh, this beautiful way of of expressing the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and you know so the incarnation, also the holy innocence, again taken from the infancy narratives. And, you know we hear about the the Herod slaughtering all the the kids under two. I mean these are really graphic kinds of things, but the one that I I think and uh, 
you know, Chris and Brian, you both have been to the Basilica of San Silvestro in Rome. And in that basilica, in the sacristy, in a, in a closet, which was entrusted to the Palatines by Pope Leo XIII, this basilica um, in, in Rome at Piazza San Silvestro, his feast day is December 31st. And this was the, the Pope who was given the land on which the, the, the now papal cathedral was built. He was given it by Emperor Constantine. And the you know where the Lateran Basilica is when the when the the church was now being tolerated it was after great persecution and then Constantine sees his own victory as as somehow connected to the Christians and and he gives this area to build a cathedral and then starts to build things on holy sites where Saint Peter was Saint Paul so forth and. San Silvestro, if you open up this closet, and uh, on December 31st, it's placed in the church itself, but there's this massive reliquary and, and then the head of, of St. Sylvester, and it's, it's uh, the, the Irish, my Irish confreres who are there, you know, just kind of nonchalantly say, oh, here's the head of, you know, of, of St. Sylvester. Um, but Sylvester Day in a number of uh, European countries, that's how they'll term New Year's Eve. They'll talk, they'll talk about it in, as Sylvester Day in, in, uh, in German, in the, particularly in the German-speaking countries. Then we arrive at Mary, Mother of God. Maybe we can back up a bit. You know, so this, this has an ancient connection with Theotokos and, and with our, our Eastern uh, Christian brothers and sisters and uh, in the Byzantine tradition, but to the Council of Ephesus, because there was this argument, you know, is uh, how can she be mother of God? You know, they were trying to parse out, you know, Jesus, human and divine. And the, those first councils of the church were, were trying to uh, come to understand Christ as both God and man. And she's declared at the Council of Ephesus, Theotokos. The, the mother of God, the God-bearer. And so this is a way of affirming her as God. And there was a, a feast of the maternity of the motherhood of, of, uh, of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Rome that dated back to, to not too long after, after Ephesus. And, and then the feast day shifted and that's what I find that kind of fascinating uh, when my, you know, for example, when, when my uh, mother was growing up, it would have been the circumcision, the Feast of the Circumcision. And this is the, sun, the, the octave of Easter, eight days after Easter, just like, excuse me, octave of Christmas, just like Easter, there's the octave of Easter, there's an octave of Christmas for eight days. And this is the, this becomes January 1st in the feast. It was also meant to uh, Christianize a pagan Roman pagan holiday to Janus, and so you dedicate it to Mary, Mother of God. The circumcision then led to the holy name of Jesus, which Brian mentioned earlier, and then was was put back in the calendar on January third. And then, interestingly enough, Pope Paul the sixth, and you know, in the 
revision of the liturgical calendar, we, we go back to Mary, Mother of God, again, back to the more ancient Roman roots. And, but he also made it a world day of prayer for peace. And every pope since then has written a message speaking of all the different needs, not only the need for peace, but concretely about what's going on in the world. So there, there's a, on this, and, it, and it's a perfect day to pray for that, you know, as we begin the new year. But it's also a, a, a challenge because we're, we are far from it as well. And so we invoke and ask the Blessed Mother to be, to be with us uh, in that as the, as the Mother of God, but also Mother of us all. Yeah, I think, I think that feast also has a great, um, uh, a great ability to be a, a talking point for, between Christian denominations. Um, you know, certainly Mary um, is a bit of a, a sticking point. Um, for our Protestant brothers and sisters, and you know, we celebrate Mary as as the Mother of God, and and you know, we affirm the Theotokos. But as much as the, the as 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 that affirms something about Mary and her role in salvation history, it also affirms the divinity of Christ, the divinity of the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And so we celebrate Mary uh, and this this key aspect of her life, but at the same time, we're affirming the divinity of Christ. It's Mary, as she always wills, is pointing us towards her son, pointing us towards uh, salvation through him. Um, so I think that's something, too, to, to reflect on. Um, is is how Mary, as the mother of God, then directs us to her son. One of my favorite feasts, you know, you, you, know, you all know the the song, the Twelve Days of Christmas. You know, on the first day. I'm of not Christmas. familiar with it. Could you sing it for us? No, 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 no that's okay. <laughs> Five golden rings. I'm oh, sorry. Or is it gold rings? What? Whichever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We always kind of. But um, pum pum. Um, but on on the the twelfth the twelfth day. Is is Epiphany of the traditional celebration, of course, being on the sixth. The church uh, has, in in many places, it's it's on the Sunday uh, between the uh, between Christmas and um, baptism of the Lord. And so, when we have this uh, this feast day. For from a Palatine perspective, St. Vincent Pallotti would focused on this feast day. Uh, in fact, one of our old logos had had the star. You know, the the this and, and really the the infinity cross of the Catholic Apostolate Center. That uh, Greek cross is also meant to evoke a star, because this is going out to all the world. Christ, the the infinite love of God, going out forth to all the world, and the world came in the in the uh, when we hear in Scripture of the Magi that they came to Him, 
And in the certainly in the East, again, the among Eastern Christians, this is ex- an extremely important feast, but it's also true for our Hispanic Latino um, brothers and sisters. Uh, the, uh, the, the three kings, this is an, a very important feast uh, for them. It's also true in, uh, in Italy, the, the Epiphany, and in various parts of Europe. That was really one of the more gift-giving times in, in, some, in some cultures, rather than Christmas itself. Christmas was more focused on uh, certainly on the um, on the spiritual aspects, but Epiphany became the time similar to the the gifts that were given, which were really focused around his death. You know, yes, he's king, he's gold. You know, but the frankincense and myrrh were were associated with you know divinity and also with with what you use to embalm. And, and traditionally, those, those those were it was meant to evoke you know what where, what's going to happen. Here's the rest of the story, and where this is going to go. He's going to go from borrowed birthplace to borrowed tomb, and so that the it, it's important for us to look at the, the the church's understanding and and what the what the scriptures reveal is that he is universal savior. He's not just Messiah for for one particular people, but for all. And and that's a very powerful thing, which was why Pilate would reflect on it, because he he saw this universal, the global, and and just a universal way in which which Christianity needed to move, and and that we were all part of this this mission, all, all peoples of the world. So uh, Epiphany is actually for Palatines. We have three special feast days, and Saint Vincent Pilate's feast day on January twenty second, the feast of Mary Queen of Apostles. But in our law, the Epiphany is also uh, it. It kind of gets lost at times because you know we're usually in our parishes or in churches or whatever. But but it is a, a meant to be a, a special feast day because of of just the aspect of going forth on on mission, which we then we pick up again in the baptism of the Lord. So it's f- interesting, Father, that you you mention on mission. Of course, on mission uh, is the name of our premiere of our podcast here. But it reminds me of really the whole idea behind the, this the podcast that you're listening to you know, was to reflect on our mission as Catholics, our baptismal call uh, to go out and go forth. And it's so interesting that you, you know, kind of tie that all together. Um, and I, I think it's interesting to to reflect on that. Yeah, the, the, the baptism of the Lord is a really, um, really interesting, really beautiful feast, right? Because, of course, you know, the Lord didn't need baptism for the same reason that, that we do, um, he he was he was free from sin, uh, as he was, uh, um, you know, fully divine. Um, but but Jesus was baptized to initiate this sacrament for us, to initiate the sacrament, which which brings us uh, not only uh, cleanses us from original sin, but welcomes us into the body of Christ, into the church. Um, you know, one of the things I, I really like to focus on in Jesus's baptism um, is 
you know, after Jesus is baptized, right, we read in, in the Gospels that um, the heavens opened and the voice of God, uh, the, the spirit descended and the voice of God says, you know, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And I think it's always worth us reflecting on the fact that when we're baptized, whether, you know, you're a, a, a five-week-old baby, I don't know how old people baptize their babies, but whether you're a young child or a convert or whatever, even if the, the heavens don't open and the spirit, you don't see the spirit descending upon you like a dove or like a flame, that God still says the same thing to us that he said about Jesus Christ. He looks at us and sees his beloved sons and daughters with whom he's well pleased. And from that baptism, um, to your point, Chris, right, that it's not it's not enough for us to say, well, I was baptized. That's that's good enough. And to kind of wipe our hands and and to walk away. Um, you know, on the one hand, it, it's kind of ignoring the sacramental life of the church and this um, journeying towards confirmation where we receive the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit to go out. Um, but baptism is kind of that initial commissioning, so to say, to go out into the world to make disciples, to preach the gospel, to share the good news. Um, so, you know, we, we talk about, uh, I know Father Frank and I have have said this to each other and, and probably to you, Chris, and, and all over the place, right? We talk a lot about, oh, well, you know, um, such and such document or such and such statement by such and such pope or bishop has empowered people to go do whatever. And we always say, no, that didn't empower them. They're empowered by their baptism. Their baptism in which they are uh, initiated into the offices of priest, prophet, and king, into the life of the church, into the body of Christ. And so when we reflect on the baptism of the Lord, it should cause us to also reflect on our own baptism and the, the um, indelible mark that that leaves on an individual to go out, to strive for holiness for oneself, to build the body of Christ, to build the kingdom of God, and to, to walk with others on this road, on this journey to holiness, to sanctity, to eventually eternal life um, with him. So I think it's a great way um, to kind of wrap the Christmas season after we've spent this time, you know, certainly with family and, and reflecting on the gifts that we've been given by the Lord, but to then enter back into um, to ordinary time having reflected on our baptismal call, on the fact that we are apostles uh, on mission, we're missionary disciples, um, and, and what that means for us and how important that is for us. Um, and maybe if, if that's not something that we've reflected on before, well, isn't this upcoming Christmas season, this upcoming feast of the baptism of the Lord, a great time to do that? Well, Thank you very much, Brian, for that, and and f thank you, Father, as well. Uh, it's been uh, a pleasure talking with you about the Christmas season uh, on this episode of On Mission. And I want to remind our, our listeners uh, that uh, it's still okay to say Merry Christmas to folks. We are still in the Christmas season. Please continue to do that. Um, and and you can you can learn more about the the feast days we talked about 
in this episode, learn more about all the feast days at our very uh, special feast day website at Catholic Apostolate Center feastdays.org. Just go there and uh, we've got a calendar that has uh, images and blog posts and videos and descriptions about all the feast days on the calendar so you can learn more about uh, the ones we talked about in this episode, but also just across the board. So I encourage you to, uh, to, to visit that and share it with your family and friends. Well, this wraps up another episode of Odd Mission from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find this and other Center podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or on our podcast website at catholicapostolatecenterpodcast.com.